What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 98 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, the reality of leadership is this. Leadership is always public. Whether you're in the government world or you're in the athletic world or you're in the the education world or whether you're in the civic world or whether you're in the religious world, leadership is always out front. There's the stage. There's the platform. There's the role, the C-suite that people work in. What we don't always see and what we don't always hear is the behind the scenes. Today, we go behind the scenes. Tony Newhoff, family law mediator, former divorce attorney, a church planner spouse, opens up her story along with her amazing husband, Carrie, of what life was like before they came to terms with who they were and where they were headed. Tony talks about the stresses and strains of marriage, but also the hidden benefits of staying together. If you aren't there, you will be. And if you have been, you'll appreciate. Tony is an amazing leader in her own right, hosting the Smart Family podcast all the different things she's done in this world. But boy, in this in this time, her and I get to spend together today. I think you're really going to enjoy the rawness of it, the depth of it, and I think some tools that can help you be all that you were created to be in the area of relationships and marriage. So I don't know where you're at today, but I hope you've got something to write on. I hope you've got some thumbs to thumb in. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my time with author, podcast host, speaker, attorney, Tony Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Oh, the honor's mutual. Thanks so much for having me. You are so kind. Tell me about you. So let us get a glimpse into you and your family. Okay. Well, um, some people may know that I'm married to Carrie Newhoff. Uh, We've been in ministry together for over 30 years. Uh, That dates me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) My sons are now 24 and 28 years old and living independently. And uh, we love them to death. We, We have great relationships with them that we're so grateful for. Uh, and so we live, um, just about an hour North of Toronto in Ontario. And, uh, we've, um, we've grown a church here. Uh, it's now known as Connexus church and, uh, we love being a part 
of this faith community. So yeah, that's a little bit about our um, our family situation, Mike. So when you and Carrie met and fell in love, what did you dream that life would be like? So you guys meet and he wasn't a pastor at the time, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you you guys meet and you fall in love. What were your thoughts of what this life together God brought you together. You both got a faith story. What did you think life was going to be like when that happened? Wow. Uh, that takes me back to when we were at law school because we we met uh, while we were studying law in Toronto. And uh, at that point, I think Carrie um, wasn't expecting to be a pastor. Uh, he talked about potentially being a law professor or maybe a history professor. His undergrad was in history. And I've, I knew that I would practice law in some way, shape or form. Uh, but I was also a pharmacist when I went through law school. So, uh, I would say when we first met and fell in love, neither of us had this call to ministry on our radar screens. So that came about uh, while we were at law school. And, and um, fair to say, before we were married, uh, Carrie had al- already experienced that call into ministry. So um, so by the time we left law school, we did know that um, pastoral ministry was going to figure into our futures. Did that present its own set of challenges that you didn't see coming that, you know, you you think, okay, well, I think we're going to go the law route, law professor. Now I'm going this direction. Did that throw a curveball right into the beginning of the process for you guys? That is a great question, but it didn't exactly happen that way. And I really see God's hand in in how our perspective shifted. Um, There was literally one day where um, for a summer we were living with Carrie's parents and Carrie was working at a local law firm and I was working in a pharmacy. And on that day, Carrie had a vision of himself, not as a lawyer, but as a pastor Mm -hmm. in the local church that he could literally see down the street from the library window. And on that same day, after he had that vision for the first time ever, I I asked him, have you ever thought about being a minister? (laughs) And it sparked a conversation that we were both in on and, um, Carrie naturally, you know, explored it, explored it with his parents, friends, um, other people at church, and then uh, came to realize that he was actually being called to go to seminary after law school. You know, you you make the assumption, you and I both know what that world's like of ministry. I think anybody on the outside maybe makes the assumption, well, they they teach on marriage and they you, you work in the, the law field. You're very intelligent. You work with lots of couples. Everybody would make the assumption that, well, if God brought you two together, then everything's going to be simple and everything's going to be easy and it's all going to turn out great. And in your new book, Before You Split, you you throw a question in as a, head, a header and it grabbed me. It was probably one of the most riveting things. How did I end up here? Mm-hmm. That was a phrase that you used. Unpack that a little bit of what led you at that point in that relationship to end up at a place, how did I end up here? Well, you know, Carrie and I um, were 
a part of a group at law school called Christian Legal Fellowship. And uh, we were a small group uh, that actually grew over the three years of our, our law school, where we really intentionally like dug into our faith and explored what does it mean to be a lawyer in our legal system and a Christian uh, at the same time. And we had really thought-provoking, um, faith-growing conversations and experiences with each other. And we got married... Um, with uh, that verse from Ephesians that says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Mm. So we went into our marriage with the expectation that, that yes, we were bonded together, but Christ would be the third strand that, that would hold us together. And we had wedding day dreams. I mean, you know, people get married. We, we got married uh, looking for love and joy and peace to factor into our marriage and um, as time went on, I would just say our relationship became more and more complicated and our lives were complicated. So uh, we've, we jumped into ministry uh, fairly early on when Carrie was um, partway through seminary. Uh, he accepted a three-point charge and we made this decision together, but we went north yep. of Toronto. Um, there were three small country churches that banded together basically for their survival and, wow. and hired a pastoral student, Carrie, uh, to, to lead them and essentially to to be their minister. And so he, he would travel to Toronto and study for three days during the week and then be home four days during the week. And, uh, we had one son and then I was pregnant shortly after we accepted this charge and, and our, so it was almost as if we were going a hundred miles an hour. Um, but also just, um, found ourselves mired in this conflict that neither of us wanted, but we couldn't seem to make our way out of. And so it was just this, this crashing difference from our wedding day dreams, you know, the dreams of love and joy and peace into this place where we were just stuck in a negative cycle of, of conflict. And, and we're both advocates. We're both wired that way. We express it differently, but, um, but, but Hey, um, we would just, it, it was almost as if we were, you know, fighting for our lives, but the, the fighting was counterproductive. Who was the first one of you to recognize this is a problem. We, we've got, we, and I, you use the illustration of mud and it was such a great visual in the book who was the first one of you to own, okay, we've got a problem and I don't know where this is going or where we're headed? I think we both realized that there was a real problem, uh, Mike, but I was the first person who took the step of going to a counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, unfortunately, in that day and age, we just didn't have a, as much awareness of the role of mentors and it sounds, it almost sounds um, ridiculous to say that at this uh, year in this era, but it was a reality that we we didn't have a, a meaningful mentoring relationship um, that helped us see things that we weren't seeing. Um, but when I I took the step of going to uh, a a minister that we knew who was also doing counseling, and uh, marriage counseling was a part of his practice, and it was 
immensely helpful. And then once I started going, um, Carrie joined me and, you know, we started to make more progress once we uh, had a third person intervene and interrupt in, in some of the negative communication patterns that, that we had fallen into. So as you begin this process, was, was it always easy? Was it, okay, well, we've gone to see a counselor now, a pastor counselor, and life's just going to get simple and easy quickly. Or was it, was it going to be a journey that you were going to be on? What did y'all find that uh, those initial steps to be like? The initial steps were awkward, mm. uh, emotionally taxing, I would say, you know, even painful. Um, but at the same time, we, uh, we could see that, you know, some of the truths of scripture were coming alive. Um, we were gaining more insight. So, you know, to counterbalance the difficulty of it or the, um, you know, emotional burden that we were feeling, um, was also this sense that, Hey, this might be painful, but it's helping Mm. us make progress. And, you know, to answer your question about, is everything fine afterward? Oh my goodness. That was a, let me tell you about journey. Uh, You know, we started um, shortly, you know, in the midst of Carrie's seminary process, we we took the charge, as I mentioned. Uh, And it wasn't until several years after uh, we had started in ministry that our eyes were even open to things like um, the reality of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And that was playing a role. I mean, we used to have some of our most like hurtful and um, distressing arguments on Saturdays. And after wow. we, after the, it's not that we hadn't read about spiritual warfare. I mean, it's in the New Testament. There's just no doubt about it. It's just that it hadn't uh, appeared as a real reality in our lives in the sense that it was something that we had to, to deal with or something that, you know, didn't seem like a biblical story or something that happened, you know, back there and then, um, but not something that was an actual reality for us. And you were a family lawyer at that time, correct? In those early years, were you working in that field, working with other couples that were going through the exact same thing? Yeah, I, I wasn't actually doing family law at that point in time. But um, the way my uh, my education went, I had an awareness of family law simply through the family law studies that I did during gotcha. law school. And then as an articling student, that's our term for the, the internship period for a new lawyer. Uh, I practiced with a family lawyer for part of my internship. Um, so had that exposure. Then after that, Mike, I practiced health law. So I wasn't immersed in the family law Field until later in my um, my law career, so I've I hadn't been um, sitting across the table from people who were going through separations um, very intensely at the time when we were really struggling. But I was aware of the legal yeah. issues. You you uh, number one, you guys are so vulnerable in this book, and boy, you you <laughs> when we say we open the doors to the house and let people take a peek in. <laughs> You definitely opened the doors to the house and let us look in 
and you you said we all have options in this. And one of the options you said is split. That's an option every couple has. Why does splitting seem easiest at the moment, but probably long-term, it probably isn't? Oh, I think people can identify, people who are struggling in marriage, who've struggled for any length of time, know that painful feeling. Mm. And when the relationship becomes a source of pain, as opposed to, you know, what we really want, you know, we really want a, a safe place. We want, um, we want unconditional love. I mean, we're wired and designed for it. And so when that crucial relationship is functioning as a source of pain, you know, it makes us wonder about, you know, have I signed up for a lifetime of misery? Mm, mm. And, and that, um, I think the emotional pain of it makes us want to run in the other direction. It's just a, almost a knee jerk reaction. Um, but part of the, the problem is that, um, as I explain, uh, you can't just run away from the pain, particularly if you have kids, you're going to be bonded together for your lifetime by your children. Uh, it's not just the, the early childhood years as, as critical as those years are. It's also, you know, what happens when the kids are teenagers, there's all kinds of, of vital decisions that have to be made at that stage. And then what about family events and celebrations that are, are going to go on and on and on. So, um, so, you know, we, we're tempted to run away from pain. Um, but the reality is you most often can't just run away from your partner and have no strings attached. If you have kids, did you and Carrie enter into, Hey, it might be just easiest to split. It might be easiest. And you talk about this quite a bit in the book. It might be just easier on all of us. If we just, if we just cash out now, how far did you let your yourself go? And he, how far did he let himself go in that process as this might be a viable and the best option for us? I would say I was probably there more than Carrie. Um, Carrie's, he was pretty consistent throughout our um, tough years that he was still convinced that divorce was off the table. Um, we've, we had a terrible altercation that I, I do describe, uh, in my chapter on forgiveness where, uh, we were just, we were emotionally frayed. We were drained. Uh, it probably wasn't a good night for us to be out, frankly. Um, but we, uh, we decided that we were going to go out regardless. And, um, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, it was, we, we were just so heated that, uh, I ended up throwing my coffee at him mm. and, uh, and that's a painful thing to admit. It's terrible. Um, but it was a symptom of what we were going through at the time. And on that night, uh, we both turned our attention to, okay, maybe this is it. We're done. Um, what would that look like? And, um, uh, and, and so I get it. I, I understand what it is to be in, in that place of thinking about your options and really entertaining splitting. I mean, we've, you know, we touched on 
Uh, what does it look like to share our time with our kids? Uh, what does it look like to have to live in separate residences? And um, and and I'm I'm not saying these things in any um, judging way. I mean, my heart goes out to to people who make those decisions, and and, and in some cases, there are decisions that have to be made. I mean, I draw a distinction between a marriage that's unhappy, you know, where both people are unhappily married, and uh, and let's say, you know, two good people with good intentions who got stuck in their mud um, mm-hmm. versus a, a, a really harmful relationship where there's toxic or destructive behavior going on. Um, you know, in that case, uh, it may be that people need to live in separate, separate residences to allow healing to happen. So all that to say, um, we, we certainly did turn our minds there and, and I believe it was the hand of God who led us to, um, sitting in the church that evening and, and really letting it sink in, um, by, you know, being in the place where we also carried on ministry, um, with, with our hearts engaged. It's not like we were, uh, disconnected from this ministry. We were both passionate about serving Christ and just, you know, confused and mired down in our marriage. And, uh, and, and at that point we, we, we put the brakes on, we decided that we weren't taking further steps or carrying on this conversation about splitting. Um, we, we leaned into, you know, whatever help we could find to try to turn things around. You know, in for those not in the ministry world, you know, there are professions you you can split and life continues on as normal and you do have two separate homes, but your job stays the same. In the ministry world, there's a whole other complexity that's added to that, which makes that conversation even more uh, heavy, you know, than, than it would be prior. And I, I love how you said that not only we have the option of splitting, but sometimes we just choose to survive. How do you, how do you describe a couple that's on the, they're on survival mode. How would you describe them? There's a couple of ways I think about that. And, and one of them is it's almost like a a contract Mm. where Mm. you've, you've made a business deal without really saying it in those words. Um, but each person gets enough benefits, enough of what they want in terms of lifestyle or, uh, enough of the budget for the family, you know, enough of the freedom to, you know, maybe go golfing or go to the gym or go on the week away with the girl. Um, to keep the partnership together. Um, the other way I think about it is basically staying together, but emotionally disconnected. That's good. So I think the emotional disconnection is key. Mm. How much of the time, so you guys make the decision. We, we, we sit in the church together. We make the decision we're going to stay together. Was there a survival period you feel like y'all probably went through before you were able to save, which is your other option? (laughs) We're going to save this marriage. We're going to make it work. Was there a period of the saving that you guys were in the survival mode? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes, I would say we were um, we were surviving not months. Honestly, we were surviving years. Wow. 
Um, but like I said, it was, it was a, a process where the next step and, you know, a little bit of progress can go a long way in cultivating hope. Mm. And, um, and we, we both leaned into our faith in Christ without a doubt. So while it sounds like, oh my goodness, how could I go through, you know, years of surviving in my relationship to make it to a better place? Well, it happens one step at a time. That's right. And, you know, we eventually transitioned to the point where neither of us would dream of leaving at this point. I, I mean, we love our time together so much that we, we crave it. <laughs> it seems like it honestly comes from a deep well and we can't have in too much time with each other. Even, and I can say that even as this pandemic, you know, lockdown and then more time at home and Carrie's not traveling, he's not on the road as he <laughs> used to be. Uh, and, you know, so we're home way more than we used to be. And it's still not too much. Uh, what a, what a great, what a great picture though, Tony, that the benefit and the reward of making that decision that night and, and you make a great, um, a great statement, I think in the book that I think needs to be said about all of these. And we try to say it in counseling to couples, but the book is going to be so much more powerful. And the statement is hard works required for any of those options. None of mm -hmm. them, the splitting seems easy, but as you said, you're going to be tied together for the rest of your lives. Now that you sit on the other side, are you glad you put in that hard work? Are you glad that you go, we went, we went that extra mile. What would you say? I can hardly put into words how grateful I am mm. that I believe uh, God led us through that process. We needed to participate in it, but uh, without a doubt, uh, the you know the the Holy Spirit brings redemption. I mean the you know that redemption power, that resurrection power mm -hmm. that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that we have access to as His followers. You know, as children of the living God and co-heirs with Christ. So uh, in the early days of our marriage, um, part of what I believe factored into us reaching that deep, dark place was just not recognizing the power of the Holy Spirit that is truly available to us as Christians and not fully recognizing my own identity as a child of the living God. That's so good. You've got a couple, if I had a couple sitting here with me and they said, okay, we've made the choice to save this. We've made the choice. We're both in it. We both are responsible for where we are. What are some tips you would give them? And I think these are some of the great chapters in the book in your second section. What are some tips that you would give them that stand out that you would say, this will help you as you begin to save and, and thrive and not just survive? Mm -hmm. I, I believe that that emotional disconnection is uh, a, 
it's a it's a common problem and it's really troublesome. Um, the problem is that when it lurks under the surface, uh, it provokes other emotions. It can be triggering, and um, you know certainly led us into a, a negative spiral. Mm. And so I would say just even being aware of it, you know, being aware of your own human tendency to, um, you know, to blame and shame, to have that yeah. impulse of blaming the other person, you know, rather than looking inward. And we know that we're blaming when we say things like you always, or you never, or you are in applying a label that, you know, isn't very complimentary. And, um, getting away from that and just refocusing, you know, try to think back to what were the qualities that attracted you to your spouse in the first place? Like they are there. It's just that when you get into a negative spiral, you, you may be overlooking them. You may not be appreciating the positives because you're clouded by the negatives or maybe even clouded by a victim story. You've been, that's also been lurking under the surface. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there's that. And then, you know, to be close, like to get from a place of surviving to a place where you're, you're actually, um, in a heartfelt way, satisfied with your relationship means that you, you need to validate each other's emotions. Like, and, and I think this is a really common relationship issue where you, you don't realize you're doing it, but you may completely skip over your, your partner's emotions and go straight into problem solving, or you may just ignore the emotions because there's something in you that feels like that's going to be too messy. And let's just focus on the practical, you know, focus on the to-do list. And, um, we know that, uh, having that kind of impulse or skipping over emotions and, and not accepting them for what they are or telling your partner that, no, you shouldn't feel that way. And this is why you shouldn't feel that way. Um, you know, you, you can't should your partner's emotions away. So just being able to validate them and sit with them and respond in, and, and an example of that would be, Instead of saying, you know, if your partner's venting about a, a really difficult experience that they had, um, instead of jumping to, oh, well, you could have done X, or maybe if you do Y next time, that will help. If you instead just sit and say, oh, that must have been really heart-wrenching. Mm. You know, what a difficult thing you had to go through. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And just sit with it and empathize. You'll grow closer as a couple um, because you're actually creating safe space for your partner's emotions. There was a phrase you used in that section, show your spouse you care builds the bonds you share. And that is, that was, that's a powerful phrase. Now that you and Carrie have done this now for a, for a season that you've been in this new mode, what has been able, being able to validate each other's emotions, what's that done for the depth of your relationship? It's brought us far closer mm. w without a doubt. And, you know, in the past where we've, we would have, um, we would have done this dance back and forth. Uh, we, we, 
maybe, you know, would be in a difficult situation and we jump into blame or jump into problem solving rather than responding to the way the other person was feeling. Um, it, it would set us off and create other problems. Now, when, when we just sit with each other and, and empathize and, you know, share those emotions in the moment, uh, it just draws us close. It's kind of hard to describe, um, but it makes us both feel like we have each other's backs, like we're on the same team, we're pulling in the same direction, and it's it's like night and day. You know what's crazy about it is that's what we all do for other people all day. We do the same thing. We do it for our friends. We do it for coworkers when they're venting at the office. We don't try to solve their problems, but there's something about coming home that we feel like, well, I'll give you the answer rather than doing what I've done for people all day, which is just listen and care. And because it's an amazing thing. And I think that's part of the enemy's work in our lives of, of knowing the problems that it causes. And then you talked even earlier, Tony, about forgiveness, that there's a whole chapter on forgiveness and you, you lean in very hard on this topic of forgiveness why does forgiveness seem so easy, but yet it's so hard to do? What would you say? My first answer would be that we can speak the words and say, I forgive you without changing the posture of our heart. And forgiveness, like depending on the grievance, forgiveness can be very hard work. And I think we want to skip ahead and, you know, get this done. Let's just forgive and move on. I've had that experience in my life where I've had this impulse. You know, I love to check things off the list. So, uh, you know, to be able to check forgiveness off the list, wow, that's a, that's a great step forward. The problem is if you don't go through that real heart process and you don't take the time to name the hurt and to, um, tell the story of what happened and then, and then grant forgiveness in a meaningful way, uh, then you really haven't done the work. And, you know, some grievances are harder to release and forgive than others. So um, it's it's a critical area that uh, that I would say even the journey of writing this book involved a forgiveness journey for me. So at at the beginning, I, I, I set out to write this book. You know, I am writing this book. I got about two thirds of the way through the book. And I said, this book is writing me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can can a relationship heal if forgiveness doesn't happen? Can can a couple say, you know what, we're going to we're going to survive. We're going to we're going to save this marriage. But but what they did to me on the camping trip, what they did to me at the restaurant or when they did this, that or the other, I can't, I can't let that go. And I can't forgive that. Can that couple ever really heal you think? I, I think healing and forgiveness happens on a continuum. And so you may very well make progress in other areas, 
The problem with not granting forgiveness in a heartfelt way is that it always seems like there's a debt that is owed, mm. that there's a, a trump card that someone holds. And um, it, it, I, I do write about a couple named Bob and Susan, and they went through the the really difficult forgiveness journey of um, repairing from an affair. That journey took them several years, and, uh, and, and I would say that they would say that their relationship, they would not have been able to get through that journey of even being married a second time. Like they chose to marry each other again. Um, They wouldn't have been able to get to that point if they hadn't thoroughly gone through the forgiveness process. And it's not just forgiving the other person. Sometimes it's also forgiving oneself. You know, you you mentioned earlier the the spiritual warfare that even though you guys were in ministry and were believers, you didn't recognize the the power that was going on around you. What do you think was the enemy's intention through all this? You know, God God brings good out of bad. What do you think he wanted for Tony and Carrie in his plan of all the the extra pressure you guys walked through. What do you think he ultimately, the enemy ultimately wanted? Well, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have no doubt that as our church was growing and even thriving, it was it was a period of immense favor uh, for this ministry, and so many people. Um, just expressing an interest in God, you know, chasing after their faith in Christ, uh, that if the enemy could take us down and take us out, well, then he's been able to destroy, you know, a part of that fruitful work. Uh, So I have no doubt that the enemy's intention was to pull us apart and, uh, and, and leave us, um, struggling with what we were going to do with that church. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made uh, when that happens. And I'm sure uh, the, the enemy did his best to try to, you know, not only drag us down as a couple, but um, drag us down as individuals. That, that phrase that you used all throughout the new Testament of standing firm, you know, you and Carrie stood firm and you dug your heels in to your faith. You dug your heels in and leaned in, leaned into the Lord and leaned in, leaned, leaned into each other. And now you've taken this story, what the enemy meant for evil, God is now using for good in this new book. What was your ultimate passion, Tony, to open up this part of your story and to let others peek in so they can learn? What was your passion in writing it? I had clients who sat across the table for me when I was practicing as a divorce attorney. Not everyone, but some people came back and said, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have worked harder to save my marriage. And I think what people found was that what they anticipated out of their separation and what actually transpired um, didn't line up. 
and where they thought that the old chapter would be closed and the new chapter would start and it would bring um, great new things. And and it and honestly, it it brought some good things, um, but it also brought with it some pain that they weren't anticipating and some problems and uh, reactions of their kids, for example, or... Um, sometimes extreme difficulty in trying to work out the parenting schedule and financial stresses, just problems that they really didn't appreciate fully until they were in the midst of them. You mentioned earlier your two sons and your your kids, you, you and Carrie's kids are about the same age. Mine are 23 and 26 and yours are right there in the middle. We're, yes. we're sort of sitting in the middle of each other. Um, one day, all of our kids will make the step of marriage and they will make that step of saying an I do to somebody and they'll enter into that season. Every time I meet with a young couple, I always say, well, tell me about your parents' marriage. Tell me tell me what your parents were like, just to get an idea of what they watched growing up. What do you pray your boys if a pastor ever asked them that question of, tell me about what you learned from your mom and dad. What do you pray they say about you guys? I would want them to see that, first of all, just the the power of God is healing. Uh, I, I I want them to see that the love of God uh, isn't just something that we talk about, but it's something that uh, we put into action. And you know that you can go from a place of um, of you know, we go from a bad place to a, a far better, um, just place of connection, you know, that, uh, the healing love of God is real and, uh, that there is a peace of Christ that transcends human understanding. Uh, you know, I, I, I would also want them to see that, uh, what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 126, uh, is is actually true that um, when when we go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, we return with songs of joy, you know, carrying sheaves, and the sheaves being um, wheat, being uh, the abundance of the harvest. Um, so that even when there's hardship, you know, if it describes um, someone going out to a, a field, weeping as they go, carrying the seeds, but weeping, you know, it's a, it's a time of sorrow and uh, so much sorrow that the person is, is cry, crying as they're walking out into the field and planting the seeds into the hard ground. But the promise is that, you know, if you seed, if you plant those seeds of love, those little acts of kindness, um, those little moments of, of patience, you know, or that stretching to be curious instead of judgmental, when you plant those little seeds, the promise is that, that later uh, we return with some songs of joy. And it's stated as a promise. You can read it for yourself. Psalm 126 verse six, um, you know, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And, uh, I, I, I would want my kids to see the reality of that. And I, and I think they do. What a powerful conversation. Thank you so much, Tony, for being real for being raw, for being transparent, but even more than that, for being helpful. 
I think it's it's one thing to be real and raw and transparent, but not be helpful. But Tony was helpful. Great tools, great resources, and this book is fabulous. So I hope you will hit pause, order. If you go to the show notes, we've got links for the book order, also links to Tony's Twitter and Instagram, uh, as well as her website, Tony Newhoff is going to save a lot of marriages and help them thrive, not just survive. And that's what I love about Tony's story is her and Carrie now have a thriving marriage, two grown sons that could have easily gone the other way. But she stuck it out and is reaping the dividends of it. Thank you, Tony. Well, in our next episode, we get to sit down with the amazing Molly Fletcher. Molly is the acclaimed host of the Game Changers podcast. She's had some of the greatest leaders in the world on her podcast. She's an author. She was known as the female Jerry Maguire in the sports agents world. And it's going to be a fun episode 99. So today, thank you again for joining in. Boy, if you find time in the next few days, hit pause in your life. Go to our iTunes page and leave a review and a rating because it does help other people find their way to us. Because remember, our goal is this. It's not just new listeners. Our goal is to help people be the people that the leaders and the people they were created to be so they can lead in the space and the place that God has put them. Have a great day, and let's make a great mark on 2021. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 